Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way, and that is by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they do this, but they never deliver on their promises, and you need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Klaviyo comes in. Klaviyo helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. And that's why 10,000 innovative brands, including all of our clients at Wavebreak, have switched to Klaviyo. Now, What's the secret to building those customer relationships? Tune in to Clavio's Beyond Black Friday docuseries to find out and unlock exact marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going all year round. Just head over to clavio.com slash beyond BF for more. Link is going to be down in the show notes below. What is up, everybody? Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, the number one appearance on this podcast in terms of the most episodes featured on <laughs> because I made the podcast and I'm losing my mind because I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I did not sleep very well earlier in the week. I think it was Tuesday. Today's Friday that I'm recording this episode. Um, but yeah, I didn't sleep well on Tuesday. I woke up at 1 a.m. in the middle of the night and I just could not fall back asleep. You ever have those nights? It's like you wake up in the middle of the night and then, you know, that entrepreneur bug, it's just like fl- the, the, flip, the flip just switches. The switch just flips in your brain and... You just can't stop thinking about those ideas. Like I had all these ideas for like, you know, marketing, operations things, like different things I could do. And I just could not sleep from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Like I was so excited, but I was so tired. And I finally got to sleep at like four something um, after being awake since 1 a.m. I I slept before that. I went to bed at like 10, whatever. Anyway, it was like 6 a.m. I wake up again. I'm just completely exhausted. And then, you know, me, typical Dylan, like pushes himself and doing a ton of workouts, boxing last night, did a little sparring, and I'm just completely beat. Now it's Friday, 4 p.m. on a Friday, recording this to to end out the week, and I'm just beat. But anyway, you're like, Dylan, what what the heck does this have to... You're like, Dylan, you're always telling these crazy stories on the podcast, and then you always feed, them, feed us into a checklist. No, 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 not today. I'm not feeding you into a checklist. Today, I'm feeding you into this episode because this episode is so good that you're going to get so many ideas that you are not going to be able to sleep tonight, my friend. And my call to action for you today is to drop a review on the podcast it would be the best gift ever this time of year if you want to give back to me give me a quick little gift just tap that five star button and drop a little kind word i would really appreciate it obviously if that's what you believe the podcast is it means a lot and it really helps the show it is a free show um and i hope you've gotten value out of it i imagine you are if you're listening to it if you're a first-time listener my name is dylan founder Waybreak. we help e-commerce stores stop leaving money on the table and scale by building and managing profitable email campaigns for them if you feel like your email channel has a lot of untapped potential or you feel like you've maxed it out in-house hire us and uh we will do some incredible things your email revenue maximize that bad boy and uh just get the roi pumping 
Um, but anyway, like I was saying, today, this episode, oh yeah, you can learn more about Waybreak at waybreak.co. And you can see our case studies, how it works, and uh, request an intro call for free. We'll see if it's a fit. We're really picky about who we work with. We'll probably turn you away if you're not a fit. Well, we definitely will turn you away if you're not a fit, and we turn most people away. But you should still apply because the people we do work with, I mean, we crush it with, and they, they make a ton of money. Literally, there's clients that make millions of dollars every single year quarterly <laughs> yeah it's crazy anyway yeah waybreak.co if you want more info link is down in the show notes below anyway uh so yeah today this episode is gonna get your brain thinking you're gonna be thinking a lot and you won't be able to sleep tonight so make sure you're taking notes getting things out of your brain don't take notes if you're listening to this driving if you're on a bike also don't take notes i don't want you to crash um but anyway Today on the show, I'm joined by Gunhee Park, and he's the founder of Populum, and uh, they're a direct-to-consumer CBD oil brand. And because they're in the CBD space, they're not allowed to do typical marketing tactics like Facebook ads and Google PPC ads, but at the same time, they've still been able to manage to sell millions of dollars worth of product. And it's just, they didn't do Facebook ads, they didn't do PPC. So if you're one of the listeners who's doing a lot of Facebook ads and PPC stuff, you know, a lot of paid advertising uh, you know, tr- uh, I keep trying to call it traditional, but uh, what am I trying to say? You know, like the typical e-commerce marketing channels, uh, you're going to get a ton of value out of this episode and a ton of ideas for things that you can do to, you know, diversify off those paid ad platforms and, you know, get into some different marketing channels that are going to help grow your business and take it to the next level. So without further ado, let's hop right into this episode. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Gunny. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so I'm really excited for this episode. Lots of things to talk about. But before we get into the actual content and the the questions that I've prepared for you, um, can you just give us a high level overview of, you know, your story and kind of the business that you run now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So as you mentioned, um, Populum is a online premium CBD oil brand. We offer products ranging from uh, tinctures, uh, topicals, capsules, to even pet supplements. Uh, Populum was started back in 2016. Um, I started it uh, completely bootstrapped, and to this day, it's a uh, 100% bootstrapped company. And um, just found a um, a niche industry back at the time. I, I know nowadays CBD is really taken off within the wellness space, but at the time um, the hemp industry was really just getting started and it was just getting deregulated. So I found an opportunity space where uh, CBD um, had this poor reputation of, um, you know, at times some people perceive it as some type of snake oil and whatnot. And this comes from a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of, um, somewhat sketchy brands making mischief, uh, exaggerated claims. So found an opportunity space where if I can develop a brand that would appeal to the mainstream and offer, um, a great customer experience and high quality products that, uh, we could really change the narrative behind, behind CBD and really, uh, market it towards the mainstream audience. So that's kind of the backstory. And, um, three years later, um, obviously really happy that CBD is much more of a relevant, relevant dietary supplement that a lot more people are using. So, uh, been a great journey being in this industry. Yeah, that's awesome. Perfect timing. Thanks for sharing that. And just fast forwarding to now, can you give us a quick rundown of where the business is at now in terms of like revenue, we're employees, if you can somehow share the size of your business? Yep. Yep. So um, started in late 2016, 2017, we um, 
been very fortunate to be profitable since we started. So 2017, we did about 600K in annual revenue. Um, 2018, so last year, we more than doubled to about 1.4 million in annual revenue. And we're looking to uh, close the year of this year at about uh, about three million in in revenue. So it's been uh, an amazing experience, uh, bootstrapping a company and essentially doubling our our um, annual run rate each year. Um, and in terms of um, our team size, uh, obviously when you're bootstrapping, everything's super scrappy. So first couple of years, um, it was either just me with a couple contractors. And had a couple, um, just one or two team members. And this year now we are at about uh, 10 team members and having two offices, it, one in um, Tempe, Arizona, and the other in Omaha, Nebraska, where I primarily reside. Um, so we have team members ranging from our own internal marketing to customer service. Um, and then we also own and operate our own in-house fulfillment centers, um, which really gives us a lot more uh, ability to customize our customer experience and whatnot. So um, those are kind of what makes up our internal team. Nice. That's awesome. I think what's most impressive about your growth is, I mean, the growth in the space that you're in, because, um, you know, for the people who don't know, like you're in a space where the traditional, you know, digital marketing tactics like Facebook ads and, you know, Google ads, all those things, like you're not allowed to use them. Yeah. And that's been um, the biggest challenge for us is like, yeah, it's really cool to develop a brand, you know, make a cool website and all those things. But if you can't um, market and get your name out there, it, it's all useless. Right. So the challenge from day one has been how do we, you know, let people know we're we're online and um, to get that traffic to the website. So um, even to this day, that's obviously a any online uh, company's challenge, but uh, it is a unique one in the in the category that we're in. Yeah, for sure. So like, I guess like to peel it back is like, so if you can't like, m the majority of the people who I speak to on this podcast, you know, the brands that we work with, and like a lot of the high growth retailers that are out there, like they're spending a ton on, you know, Facebook ads, like Facebook ads is kind of the big one. But you're still growing like crazy from what was it, six hundred thousand to three million in like three years. How the heck how how the heck are you doing this without ads? Yeah, so we have to spend um our marketing budget um in a lot more areas that's hard to track ROI. So when when I'm sure you're talking to um to other folks talking about Facebook or Google ads, it's all about um, the cost of acquisition and measuring those those ROI and optimizing your campaigns based off that. Unfortunately, we um, don't have that luxury. So we put either, uh, uh, and I'll dive into deeper on maybe a couple of strategies that we've used in the past, but like for in instance, like something as simple as influencer marketing, which is pretty conventional, everybody's doing that, right? But um, measuring ROI on a lot of those campaigns is um, not is inexact, or just you're not able to do it at all. So um, it's been an interesting challenge for us. But when I think back to how we got started, it was more about like so the playing field is pretty even, right? Because nobody in the CBD industry can do it. It's, um, so it's not like we are, when you're competing against CBD brands, we're at an unfair position or anything like that. So 
um, we took the position of, okay, so nobody's doing this. Nobody's on Facebook. Nobody's on Instagram in a paid way. So how are customers finding CBD? And going through that thought, um, that thinking process of going through the funnel of how consumers are first learning about CBD to how consumer consumers who are at the final step of ready to purchase, how they're making their final decision and trying to get in front of them um, after uh, doing that um, brainstorming has really helped us um, become noticeable. And one, one example early on that we took was especially when CBD was not fully deregulated. This was back in 2017. There's a huge, uh, relatively in its own niche, huge um, CBD community in, in, in Reddit. So we recognize that a lot of people are searching about CBD, getting referrals and recommendations from Reddit users on the brands that they should buy from. So Early on, we were active on Reddit. We also actually reached out and built relationships with the moderators of the Reddit community, the CBD Reddit community, subreddit community, I mean. And um, we were able to get on the list that they recommend, the moderated recommended as one of the top brands that they recommend. So the amazing thing about that is we obviously don't have to pay them anything. It was more about relationship building and putting in kind of that hustle and, you know, that grassroots work of building relationships, not only in the, in Reddit, but other blogs and forums where people are going to search for CBD has helped us tremendously where, um, as a bootstrap company where we don't have a lot of money to spend on advertising, um, we were able to, to gain traction in, in those type of efforts. Got it. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I mean, that's a really smart way to do it being scrappy i mean it definitely works and i think the the my favorite thing about what you said is it's not just like okay like you know what can we do what are the marketing strategies we can use it's like no 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 let's take a step back and figure out like how are people already learning about cbd and where to buy it and then you like backtracked it and you figured it out i think so many people get it wrong where it's like okay like you know they think of the methods of advertising right? Like I got to be doing Facebook ads. I got to be doing, you know, <laughs> Snapchat ads, or I got to be doing this or that instead of working backwards from like, okay, like where do my people actually hang out? And I mean, a lot of them do hang out on Facebook, but <laughs> not always. And what's cool about it is like you said, like with the Reddit thing, like, you know, you just set up the relationship and now you've got customers coming in on autopilot from a super trusted source, right? The moderators, you know, of that particular subreddit. So that's super cool. So like, what are some other ways I, I noticed on your website, you know, you've been featured in like a ton of different articles and stuff like, you know, and like, oh, as one of the best CBD skincare products to try and like things like that, like, how did you land those placements? And like, what's your strategy around, you know, PR and that kind of thing? Yeah, and going back to your point about um, when you're first starting to grow your brand and trying to get it off the ground, uh, the initial excitement or initial thought is to, Hey, let's just do Facebook ads or whatever to, um, get our brand out there. But the, the, the exercise we did that's really helped us over the past year is first thinking about doubling down on, um, who the ideal customer demographic that you're trying to reach. And to be fair, I think if you are doing those type of conventional ads, you are able to, really um, 
double down on the demographic and really hit those through the filtering uh, ability through those platforms. But when you aren't able to use those, you really have to think like, okay, if our ideal customers are females in their 50s to 60s that are married, have a, have uh, older kids that have grandchildren. And then when you start building out your customer profile that way, and then start thinking about, hey, where, what are these people reading? What are the publications these people are reading? Where are they shopping, whether online or in store? What are the types of stores that they like to visit? And then how do, what are the decision, um, what are their thought processes of them making a decision before they purchase a product? Is it, when you think about an older demographic like that, it's typically, um, a lot of them, make decisions from word of mouth like they they talk with their friends um, or have some type of get together where they hear about something and they that steers them to making a decision towards one brand because they trust the word of their friends better than any advertising they'll see online or on tv so that's kind of the biggest thing we found uh, we did um going into coming into this year was um, originally, and I think you touched on it earlier, we really positioned our brand and built up our branding to really appeal to more of the millennial market. But what we found through our uh, customer surveying and research was that we, the the demographic that's actually converting the highest are our older demographic. So that really made us take a step back and think about, okay, we could need to pivot to what's working, right? And um, this is the demographic that has the highest disposable income as well. So, hey, how do we double down on it? Let's rethink our PR strategy, our, even our influencer strategy, um, and, and uh, all the other areas of what we're doing so that we can appeal to the highest converting customers. Um, so kind of went off a tangent there, but that I, that's something we found to be really important for us this year is, is, uh, especially when you can't double down on paid advertising on thinking about the, the funnel of the, the certain demographic that you're trying to aim for. Yeah, for sure. And that's really smart to like, Hey, let's double down. Like these people are converting the highest. Why don't we double down on them? And now you said that's that's flowing into like your PR strategy. So what is your PR strategy? Like, do you do you work with a PR agency? Are you doing like you know consistent outreach? What does that look like? So it's a little bit of a mix of both. So we have and continue to work with PR uh, PR agency, but those are more for the national publications. And we've had the fortunate opportunities to be featured in some um, amazing publications like uh, Forbes, Goop, etc., uh, etc., et where that really helps boost our credibility as a brand, especially um, when competing against other uh, brands in the industry. But we've also done a lot of in-house efforts of, um, for us, it was trying to appeal to that older demographic. And what we found with that is they have a lot of trust with their local publications. So to state an example here in um, Omaha or Arizona, a lot of Omaha people um, religiously read and follow the Omaha World Herald. A lot of people in Arizona follow the Arizona Republic, right? And um, we found that getting in those and getting a featured article in those have is actually a bigger driver for traffic long term than 
those national publications, which is pretty interesting when you think about the readership. But I, I think what we found is that those national publications have so much uh, content coming out all the time that it, the churn is so high, whereas the local publications, uh, it's more evergreen because um, people here either uh, there's a lot of word of mouth or for whatever reason, there's more loyalty to the publication is what we found. So uh, internally, we've really worked on developing relationships with uh, local journalists, anchors, and whatnot to get featured on any stories that are related to hemp and CBD. And that's been tremendously helpful uh, in a grassroots effort, again, uh, in a way to build our our um, local brand awareness uh, in in cities that where we're based out of, or where we have a narrative to share. Right. And I think what's underrated about that, and I've talked about this on podcast episodes recently, but it's like you get on the smaller stations and like you get on the smaller platforms. I mean, that's who the bigger ones, that's where they all get their information. Um, So it's like, it's not necessarily that you're only going to just reach those people too. Like you could potentially even, you know, get picked up other places um, as well. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, um, we, well, not at the national level, um, but we were featured in a much more like a smaller local publication and that was picked up by the bigger AZ Republic. Um, so we saw that not, um, not fully at the national scale, but definitely in a local scale. Right. I think that's something that like a lot of people, you know, they think like, oh man, we really got to get that, you know, men's health feature or like some other big magazine, but like, or, or publication, but really it's almost like, you know, you just keep, just like you guys are doing, it's like, you just keep knocking even on the small ones and slowly, but surely you build the momentum and then just, uh, you know, it just kind of takes off. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Did you know that Shopify can't help you restore things that get deleted or accidentally changed in your store? Meet Rewind. Black Friday will be here before you know it. In the event of a data disaster, what do you do? You use Rewind. It's like having a magic undo button. They can back up Shopify and Klaviyo and give you peace of mind. And to help protect every store over the holidays, check out their special new free plan at rewind.io and back up your store today. Link is down in the sponsor section of the show notes as well. One thing I'm also curious about is like, how does it work at the national level? Like, do you need to work with a PR agency to make that happen? At the national level, I would say uh, definitely yes. And the reason being is um, with any type of, well, journalism specifically, it's all about relationships and um, when you think about the, the national editors, at publications, um, like your Huffington post or Forge or whatnot, they're getting inundated with requests. Right. Um, and for you to be able to stand out, um, just trying to knock on the door strategy of the, the local angle that I talked to you about, uh, we've at least found that to be, um, a lot less effective, uh, because, they're, they have so much backlog already on their end that um, for us working with PR agencies that have the connections, that have the relationships and whatnot have, have uh, paid off uh, way more, even if it is uh, more of an investment up front. 
Got it. That makes sense. And like for somebody who who wants to do that potentially for their business, you know, invest in a PR campaign. Can you give us a high level overview of like how the process works? You know, because like I think so many people are like, ah, like, you know, I don't know if it's worth it. Like, how can you find a good PR agency? And uh, like, how does the overall process work? Yeah. And and I'm sure one of the reasons this that there there is that concern is also because there are so many agencies nowadays, right? There's so many PR and marketing agencies that make claims that, that they can do X, Y, or Z. So, um, and we we personally had this experience where you you commit to something and you know you're like, wait, I've already spent all this money. Um, I don't think it's going to work out. You start doubting everything. And we've had to pivot and make make different decisions. Um, and part of it's luck of you being able to find a reputable um, agency. A lot of times, I've found that to the best way to find that is through uh, referrals from other successful, you know, startups or entrepreneurs that you know that have gone gone that route. And the biggest thing, and I'm sure this is why a lot of people make that hesitation, is you make some type of investment. Um, whether that's gifting a crap ton of samples or giving out um, or actually paying um, for certain opportunities, uh, a lot of times it doesn't convert right away. Like you, you, like we had one article where one lead where we waited probably like eight to nine months before it actually converted. So when you're strictly measuring ROI and trying to um, uh, get actual results for the money that's going out sometimes you're it's it seems like a lost cause um the the biggest message i'd say what i've learned is one is that patience factor of knowing that if you have a good product and a good story that it eventually will be picked up but then also um as i mentioned just now is before you focus on PR, really focus on developing your brand story and branding in general. It's because these these journalists um, they get they get flooded with all these samples and products and requests and all that. So trying to find um, the best way for you to stand out is not just by dumping money, but it's also by dump, uh, creating a a story behind your brand that will stand out so that it makes it easier for um, a journalist to actually write about you. They're not like trying to think of something to write about you. Right. So I think that was uh, a big one. And then actually on a side note, uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention, um, a lot of people have heard of Haro, uh, help a reporter out. Um, that is another thing that has been really successful for us, especially in the beginning is just not even working with a PR agency, but really pitching your story um, as much as you can to all the different topics that are brought up in Haro. Um, and we've been able to get picked up um, at least two or three stories a month um, until oh, wow. we were able to actually um, um, get more into the actual PR agency side. So, Oh, oh wow. That's awesome. And, and for you guys who don't know what Haro is, it's uh, Help Reporter Out. Uh, I think the site's like helpareporter.com. Um, but basically, it's like a bunch of media outlets. It's like they're writing a bunch of articles and they're like, hey, we need quotes, we need sources, recommendations on this. I think this time of year is when they start sending out a bunch of requests for like gift guides and stuff too. But I mean, if you're not on that, I mean, it's literally a free way to like 
like you said, I mean, it's just you're on an email list and it's like, here's a bunch of stories. I mean, a lot of them have similar angles, so you could probably even just copy and paste a response. Um, you know, once you do do enough of them, save that sucker to a text expander and just pff, 20 minutes a yep. week, yep. you can land a few stories. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. And you get the backlinks too, which gives you that SEO juice, which is cool. Actually, that was actually our main motivation of doing it. It was the more of the SEO and backlink um, side of things. Um, and we've been, we were able to target topics ranging from specifically the hemp industry or cannabis, uh, side of things. If anybody is writing about that, uh, being a thought, trying to be a thought leader there, but also, uh, you can target entrepreneurship, uh, startup type, um, articles or topics. And then lastly about CBD products, just specifically in general. Um, and then nowadays, um, or this starting in October, there's a lot of articles coming about holidays, right? So you can try to get lumped into a lot of the holiday roundups and things like that. So there's a lot of different angles. It's not just about your business or your specific industry. Uh, if you think really outside of the box and start coming up with quotes of how you can contribute to other types of topics, um, you can really branch out there. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, even like this podcast, for example, right? It's like the people listening to it run e-commerce businesses, but hey, who knows? Maybe they're curious about CBD um, yeah. and you're going to get a backlink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're welcome. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. So you've kind of given us a, a high level overview of, of PR and stuff. Like for people looking to take it to the next level, like is, is there, because I feel like there's a lot of mystery around, you know, I mean, like these agencies, like, you know, there's some that can be super expensive. There's some that it's like, okay, that seems way too cheap. Like, is there kind of like a, a budget that you re- recommend people go into this with? Like, or like otherwise, you know, just wait till you have that budget set aside or like, uh, like what does it look like, you know, in terms of like investment wise? Yeah, I, so for, for us and a lot of, I'm sure listeners out there are um, bootstrapping their own, um, their own venture, it was more of deciding what was reasonable for me to allocate for X, Y, or Z, and then going out to to either negotiate or find the right type of agency, whether that's for PR or web development or marketing, etc. Right, and and what we found is if it's a pretty reputable and uh, uh, an agency that's confident in their work, they are willing to prove themselves before you actually give them any money. And and what I mean by that is, for example, um, a PR agency we worked with, we actually had no interest in working with them until the agency was like, Hey, we can get, we can get you into this. Um, what if I just, uh, pitch you into this publication, would you be interested? And we were just like, sure. Like, um, if you want to give it a try, um, go ahead. And then a couple weeks later, uh, about a month later, she sent us a link saying, oh, here's a here's a featured uh, roundup with you guys included at number three. And, <laughs> oh, wow. And, and and that was like right there, like it sold itself, right? We're Best like, cold well, email ever. <laughs> yeah. We're like, Why wouldn't we work with them, right? So yeah. it's a similar example with uh, some other agencies we work with in other areas where almost have them prove themselves to you because there are so many agencies out there that when you try to get involved with them, their first thing is like, Oh, so this is going to be the contract. Um, this is our retainer or whatever. Right. And 12 month minimum get, of course. And yeah. Yeah. And once you get locked <laughs> in, you're sometimes like trying to get out of it. And that's like not a, 
a good use of your time or, or resources. Um, so I would say have a good way to vet is find a way to have them prove themselves to you. Nice. And so like all in, like, what do you say the minimum somebody should have like to invest in a PR campaign? Like, is that number like 3000, 10,000, 30,000? Like if they want to go like, you know, not, not, you know, too hard, but like, you know, if they want to see a decent kind of like result, is there just kind of like a range you can give? Like you don't have to share exactly how much you're investing. Um, but just, you know, if you could kind of shed some light on that. I would say when depends on the stage of your startup, but, um, when you're first like have good, good traction, you have some, um, a decent amount of budget after a couple years of growth, um, and starting anywhere from even three to five K a month, uh, retainer, I think is a, is a good amount. There's definitely agencies out there that, uh, will try to get, you know, 10 to 20, but I would say, um, Unless you are, you know, a venture funded startup and have that type of disposable income and it comes really highly recommended from, you know, some of the best, uh, most successful startups out there, then, then it's obviously it's probably next level agency. But otherwise, if you're just kind of testing it out, um, want to make sure it works for you and you also are budget conscious, then, I would say no more than 10,000 a month uh, because you also don't want to solely rely on that because of the not direct ROI that I mentioned earlier, where even if you're paying, let's say eight to $10,000 a month to your PR agency, you might not start seeing results until five, eight months down the line. So if that's bulk of your marketing budget, then you're, you're really going all in on something that's, um, not going to prove itself in the short term. Right. I, I think that's really good advice. And thanks for shedding the light on that. I feel like, you know, a lot of agencies, you know, they hide behind their prices, right? It's like, you know, whatever, request a call, do do this thing. And, and so there's just always a lot of mystery around it. So I appreciate you taking the time to to shed the light on that. Uh, we're starting to run out of time here, but um, really appreciate you coming on the show and kind of sharing everything you're doing in marketing that's, you know, not normal nowadays <laughs> just because i mean you're doing a lot of the normal things but like you know the typical story here on this podcast is like oh what's your marketing you're like haha facebook ads and so it's really cool to see what other people are doing and and that you're having success um and so as, as we start to wrap up here you know if a listener if l- let's say you know they're, they're running a business they've got traction they're growing brand like if they want to start you know going down the path of you know becoming less reliant on Facebook? Are there any kind of like first steps that you might recommend? So actually a great book that I was going to, I had on my notes to to recommend to your readers was one called Traction, a startup guide to getting customers. Oh, nice. um, Have you, have you read that one? Is that the one with uh, the duck, duck, go guy? Uh, No, that might be a, no, actually, this yeah, yeah. Uh, it's There's a the few tractions. There's the EOS yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, with, uh, no, Gino no, not Wickman. the EOS one. Yeah, yeah. This is the guy from the DuckDuckGo. Sorry, and yeah. uh, Justin. And uh, what the guy from uh, Justin? What is it called? Mares. Yeah, he's from uh, e-commerce company. What is that called? I'm blanking uh, on it. Uh, just googling real quick behind the scenes of the podcast. Uh, oh, kettle and fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, in like but, Whole Foods and all that stuff. Anyway, sorry. Go, continue. <laughs> oh. This startup or this book I uh, was really helpful for me when when I got started. Where it really helps you create a framework for all the different buckets of marketing that you want to potentially even consider. But then 
the authors empowered you to really brainstorm what how your company uniquely fits into each of those buckets and how you brainstorm um, how you want to grow that channel. So um, would definitely recommend people to check out that book. But with that said, um, for somebody who's just trying to get away from um, your conventional advertising, I would say um, for me, it was a lot of grassroots uh, relationship building efforts with blogs, forums, and communities in general. Uh, Definitely a much more long-term approach of several months. But once um, you can establish that, I would say um, it's a uh, definitely a higher payoff than than your typical PPC campaigns because um, the investment stops after. Well, there's a human side investment of continuing to build a relationship, but once you can become the recommended brand for X, Y, or Z blog, um, that stays there, you know, for quite a long time. I think you're obviously the expert in this, but email marketing was a huge, huge um, area for us. After you build your list, how do you optimize that through drip campaigns? And then how do you build between you know existing customers and, and uh, customers who haven't purchased yet, but how do you convert both those uh, demographics? Um, and then uh, for us, it was... Um, website experience and also um, like loyalty marketing. Uh, What are the referral marketing tactics that you use to have your customers be your ambassador to um, share your brand to their friends and family? So um, these type of things and thinking like taking a step back and thinking of all these things from a customer who's never heard about you guys or heard about a brand, their perspective of how they might potentially discover you to also a customer who just who purchased from you, how do you keep them a loyal and repeat customer? Um, and, and going through that thought process, um, I think will definitely help, um, any brand and startup, um, gain more traction. Awesome. I love it. Uh, this has been a, I feel like this episode has been a, you know, a great masterclass in like non-traditional marketing in 2019 and going into 2020 for direct consumer e-commerce um so i mean this is awesome this is a topic that i don't get to talk about on the podcast very often and um it's been super fun like as we wrap up here and start to sign off where can we go to learn more about you and your company yeah so you can visit populum at uh, populum.com so that's p-o-p-u-l-u-m.com or you can follow any of our social channels with the handle at get populum Awesome. And I'll be sure to link that all up down in the show notes below. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. This has been a great episode and thanks for sharing all this value. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or, or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak Method that, number one, 
makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge. And it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Waybreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible. And we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 